today's episode is brought to you by ThermoWeb, maker of some of the craft industry's most enduring and innovative brands, including Heat and Bond, Zots, iCraft, and DecoFoil. Based in the Chicago suburbs, second-generation, family-owned ThermoWeb is proud to have served the creative community for nearly 50 years with quality products for sewing, quilting, embroidery, and paper crafts. Visit thermowebonline.com to learn more. Thank you so much, ThermoWeb. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 165 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building a sewing pattern business with my guest, Norma Lohr. Norma is the founder and creative director of Orange Lingerie. After a career in financial services, she started Orange Lingerie and began making custom bras for individual clients in 2010. In 2013, she published a book on how to sew and fit bras, and then began releasing her own line of bra sewing patterns and teaching her techniques in weekend workshops all over the U.S. Her company's mission is to enable sewists to make their own beautiful and professional-looking lingerie. Norma Lore, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm so excited to be here. I got to visit Norma here in her studio in Boston, which is not too far from where I live, and it's adorable. So thank you for inviting me to come and visit you in person, and I love recording these interviews in person. It's a real treat for me. So um, I think we'll start way back when. I know you had kind of a creative growing up, Mm -hmm. um, and I um, would love to hear a little bit about that. I know you went to kind of a creative preschool, um, so let's start there. Um, Talk a little bit about about your childhood and about your mom sewing and um, how you learned to sew. Sure, sure. So uh, the creative preschool. Uh, (laughs) So basically, we'd spend all day making dough sculptures and puppets and drawing and kind of whatever you were moved to do. Uh, So I think that was probably a good creative start. Um, Part of that was a little bit of sewing. But I think the first sewing project was really kind of a a fuzzy teddy bear, kind of by hand, that my mom had me sew. And from there, I just got more interested in sewing. I think really the, the big drive for sewing was when I discovered, uh, I don't know if you know Stretch and Sew? Yeah, Stretch and Sew was like a big trend in sewing back in, I want to say the 70s. Yeah, well, I'm not yeah. going to say when it was. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I went in there, I was seven, eight years old, and I was just fascinated. I loved the feel of the stretch fabrics, and I loved wearing things like t-shirts. So I was really excited that I'd be able to create those kinds of things. So I started taking classes there, and that's really when I got into sewing using the machine. Uh, One of the first projects I made there was underwear. So they had a a lingerie class, and it was just a trico, white trico fabric, you know, white cotton with the elastic, and I sort of assembly lined it out and made a bunch of underwear. And where was this? Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Okay, great. All right, neat. So you took a class. I'm sure you were probably one of the younger students. I was the youngest student. Okay. (laughs) I think it was kind of a a novelty. It's like, what is this little girl doing in this class? But But you did it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, And so it's it's interesting that you were drawn to making underwear from the beginning. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's pretty neat. All right, great. And so so it sounds like you were pretty creative from from the start. Um, What did you go on to study in college? So in college, I actually studied finance. Okay. And is that because you were super interested in finance or because you felt like you needed to 
have a career that would, you know, pay the bills and that yeah, kind of thing. The latter. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely the latter. Uh-huh. All right. So, yeah. um, so you knew that that would be a stable career that would, you know, have a high income earning potential. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So it was really driven by that factor. Mm-hmm. And did you enjoy it? I mean, were yeah. there things oh, yeah. about it that you found interesting and yeah. satisfying? Yeah. I mean, I love economics. I think macroeconomics is fat and microeconomics. I love all of that. I think it's very interesting. I love all the math. I love the statistics. All that is really interesting to me. And I, I did really enjoy learning that. And I actually went on after college to become a charter financial analyst, which is another sort of three-year independent study program. So I, I do really like And that's an impressive things. certification to get. I mean, it's not an easy process, you <laughs> no, know. It's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that's pretty that's pretty great. Um, and then you went on to work in some investment firms for a while. Yeah, so I was an investment consultant. I managed investment portfolios for institutions, and I did a lot of sales, mm-hmm. a lot of sales. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the things that you feel like you learned during that period? During, I mean, that was a whole other career, a whole other you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm imagining, you know, you can look back at that time now in what you do now, mm-hmm. and maybe there's some things that those of us who never had that experience didn't get. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if, there, if there are some lessons learned or even just some parts of you that got tougher or got stronger or something from that period? So, yes, I think there are some takeaways. I think um, probably, well, in finance, there is this drive to get things done, get things done quickly, respond quickly, move all of it fast, fast, fast. I think it's because the nature of the markets are always changing. Um, It's also people really high achievers, just let's get this all done. So I think experience working in that environment, I think was very helpful and can be applied to really anything in life kind of gives you that, um, that grit <laughs> and grits. And I mean, people talk about grit now all the time. I feel like it's like the trendy word. My daughter goes to a private school and they're forever talking about grit with the students that she laughs about it because they talk about it so much. But, but I do actually think there is something to be said for grit. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when I was selling financial service products, I mean, you really have to just keep after it, stay on top of all your prospects, follow up. Uh, all of those things I think are useful. Also, I know you and I, we've talked about this before, but negotiation. So yeah. I had to negotiate contracts. And so now when I'm, I, I treat everything like a negotiation. So rent, um, terms, uh, workshop agreements, all of that, those are all opportunities to negotiate and come to a really great uh, agreement with the other party. And it builds a relationship as well. So I think that's another powerful takeaway. Yeah. And I think those of us, again, who just didn't come from that background, didn't have that opportunity, that experience, maybe don't come into negotiation opportunities with that same feeling, that same, you know, state of mind. Yeah. Like a willingness to speak up, a willingness to be heard, to express your point of view. All of those things are really important in in negotiation. And I think that came out of the finance and you really have to kind of be bold. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. So, but, but you're not doing that now. And that says something too. Yes. Um, So talk about, um, uh, the sort of the point or what, what was it about it that you didn't like or mm. how and talk a little bit about the point where you, you were coming to realize it wasn't for you. Yes. So, um, wow, there's, there's several factors. I think one big one is, uh, so in financial services, at least what I was doing, uh, felt like I was working a lot, like even to the extent you wake up during the night and you, you feel like you need to check your email and kind of see what's going on, you know, global companies, Maybe you even respond to something and you feel like, oh, I just got brownie points because I just responded to this thing and they know what time it is that I'm looking at this. So that kind of cycle. Um, and then there's really, there was no time for any creative work. So I, I've always loved sewing and I sewed all the way, you know, through college and the first part of my career, but then there was no time to do that. I had everything. It's all there, but there's no time to really engage with it because work is so all consuming. The other factor then became, I'm spending all my time doing this thing. What does this thing actually mean? Uh, it's just a bunch of kind of digits and um, on the paper, uh, it's phone calls, it's meetings, but really what's actually happening here? And I was working with 
pension funds, foundations, and endowments, Mm -hmm. the institutional investors. And I really feel like they were just making things unnecessarily complicated, spending a lot of time and valuable resources on something that could be solved much more simply. And it just led to this feeling of why, why am I doing this and spending my valuable time on this, I, it just didn't feel like it had any sort of meaning. Right. So I don't know if I'm being clear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's like that purpose and the feeling like you had a purpose in life, like your your energy, your creativity was putting, being put toward a good purpose. Yeah, yeah, it has to do with that. And it's also when you think about resources in the world, um, money is a renewable resource. So you lose money, you make more money. Um, you can always do that. But your time is a non-renewable resource. When it's gone, it is gone. That's so true. And I just started thinking about that concept. And it became really important to me that I spend my time doing the things that I find valuable and important. And finance just it wasn't, wasn't doing it. No, yeah. Not yeah. at all. Okay. So I had to make a break. Right. <laughs> all right. So you had to make a break. Yeah. You knew that that was coming. Um, and and maybe did you know you wanted to do something creative? It sounds like you you did as a field or as a, you know, and were you thinking self-employment or were you thinking at that time, maybe I'll, I'll make a break and I'll, I'll get a job doing something different or no, it was always self-employment. Yeah. So I, I knew I wanted to make a pretty drastic change. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I, I really didn't. I knew I wanted to do something that felt meaningful to me, something that I enjoyed spending my time doing, uh, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't have a plan. I just, you know, when you start thinking about quitting your job every day at a certain point, you just need to do it. <laughs> yeah. So did you save up some money? And, oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you spent some time, saved some money, and then decided, like, this date, I'm leaving. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm <laughs> going to do something creative and I'm going to work for myself. Yes. All right. That's all I knew. Right. And did you, um, and I know the name of your company is, like, Orange, what is it? It's, like, Orange. So the Orange Lingerie is the name of my, of this, of this business. Business. Yes. But there's, like, a broader the orange project the orange project yes. there it is yes. okay i knew I, I had it written down here somewhere but yeah. i didn't have it in front of me the orange projects and yes. so when i saw that i was sort of like maybe she had sort of a broad idea and then wasn't exactly sure right. where it was gonna go so is that did you set that up first or yes okay so i didn't know exactly where i wanted it to go at first but i knew i wanted to have my own company so i could spend my time in the way that i that was meaningful. Okay. So you set up, in, did you set up the Orange Projects pretty pretty quickly after? Nah, yeah, a little while. Nah, I took a little while. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I was, everything was right. of, a little fuzzy at first, right. you know? Right. All of a sudden, this thing you've been doing for a very long time isn't there, and you wake up each morning and... You're like, wah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to do something. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so you got back into sewing, though, and yeah. started, um, started sewing pretty pretty soon after oh, almost right away yeah. I started sewing because okay. I needed to be engaged in some sort of yeah. activity didn't really know what I was going to pursue business-wise so I just started sewing right okay and I realized wait a second okay this I really like spending my time solving kind of design puzzles I really like solving construction puzzles you know anytime you sew something there's so many different decisions oh it's all problem solving exactly and I yeah. love that like what's the best way to do this what's the most efficient way to do this so I knew there was something there uh, in terms of going fully into lingerie. I had this, I'd read about Madame Cadol, uh, who is a famous bra maker in Paris and she makes custom bras for people. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I had, I'd read about that when I was still working in New York and I was having people make like suits and dresses and whatnot for me because I, coming from a sewing background, you want everything to fit really well, but I couldn't find anybody to make a bra. And the cost to have Madame Cadol make a bra for you in Paris is, it was just exorbitant. I mean, you have to stay in Paris for like a week and then you have to pay for the you know, the garment itself. And it was just, there's no way I was going to do that. But I thought, what a great idea. <laughs> so that's when I decided to pursue bra making. And I started out the business doing custom bra making for individual clients. Right. So you thought, and you, you liked that sort of tailor client relationship. I I think actually what I really like more is the craft of fitting something to an individual. And I like solving that puzzle. Like when Mm -hmm. I'm working on a pattern here in the studio, it's a puzzle of how can I get this to do what I want it to do? 
And that's what I was seeing with working with individual clients. Okay. So in order to learn bra making, yes. you needed to go study. I did. And yes. you went to study in Canada with yep. this expert bra maker. And how did you find her? Uh, I was just, so when I stopped working and I was just sewing, I was following sewing blogs and all over the internet looking at things. And bra making was already really interesting to me. So I started plowing into that world and discovered bra maker supply. And so Beverly Johnson uh, runs Bra Maker Supply. And at the time, she had a professional course. She called it a professional course. So it was eight weeks. And I went to Hamilton, Ontario. And they're still located in Hamilton. And I lived there for eight weeks. And she brings in, or she brought, I don't think she has this program anymore, but she would bring in live models and be like, okay, you're going to make a bra for this woman. And so everyone in the class would fit her and make a mock-up and then she'd come in for fittings and you do adjust and so on. And you learn the details of fitting the bra that way. I already and knew how to do clothing. I wonder what everybody else in the class went on to do with that skill. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really. That's fascinating because like, did they all go on to become professional bra? I mean, it seemed like that, that was not um, a service offered in the U S very much. I wonder what everybody else went on to do with that, but that's interesting. I have no idea. There was one woman class who was a farmer, um, (laughs) another one from Pennsylvania. I mean, it was just, they just wanted to know. I think they just wanted to know. And maybe there were, uh, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Okay. So you went, you did that. Yeah. Um, and then you came home with this skill and then you were be, were able to offer this as a service, which was a service that you wanted, couldn't find and then became the service provider. Yes. Okay. And so how did you find your first clients? So, um, I was on Twitter a lot. Uh, I was, uh, this was in the early days of Twitter. Yeah. I felt like it was more of a community. I liked forum. Twitter back then. It was so Twitter's nice. Twitter's, I'm like done so with Twitter nice. now, but back in the day, I don't, it use, was, it I don't use it anymore. It was great. It so was good. I was on that a lot and I was talking with like the lingerie addict who now is actually, oh, yeah. she has like a whole thing. She's amazing. She is. Um, and then I was just kind of telling everybody I could, you know, I, trained on friends and family and then slowly people started to kind of find me at a website twitter presence yeah okay so for how many years did you do this working with clients a couple of years just a couple of years yeah. I, I realized pretty quickly that i don't enjoy that you don't enjoy that that client. sort of relationship yeah. with the client because um and it's not that i, I don't like clients <laughs> it's a it's a specific thing it's a very specific thing with custom clothing uh, people don't actually really understand everything that goes into making a custom garment, even though they think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have situations where, because um, there, there's a process for bras where you have to fit them. There's multiple fittings. And at a certain point, you have the client sign off on, okay, this is this is the finished fit bra. This is what it's going to be like. And you go away and sew it. And then you get it to them. And they'd be like, oh, there's just this one little thing that I want to change. Just with the bra, you can't do that. So it was a series of those kinds of things. Yeah, it's like, frustrating. You know, it, it just it was frustrating, and um, I realized like solving that whole construction puzzle and kind of the design puzzle I can do in other ways. Right. So okay, so, so you first, learned a lot. Yes. Yes. Um, and probably having the experience of working with a lot of different women, yeah, and different shapes and things like that was. A good it was really good experience. i mean i really yeah. drilled in my fitting skills sure I, mean, I had to fit these women in you know two to three fittings if possible they're yeah. you know busy and it was both of our time commitment to do that so i had to get good at that fast sure <laughs> sure so that was good yeah um and so you needed to pivot um so <laughs> as they say in startup startup land yeah so how also, did you... that wasn't even a scalable business anyway right so... it's that's not a scalable business no. and i think um that can be hard to confront for people too where you're all in on something and then you're like i can't scale this yeah um it's never going to be sustainable as a business for me and so i'm going to need to change the model here in order to yeah. make this into something that's going to sustain me so yeah. right okay so how did you what was that assessment like? What, like, did you just, I mean, cause, you know, some people would have been like, I'm throwing the towel. Like, didn't work. Gotta go back to Wall Street. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. So, I mean, how did you reassess? What, did, what was the thought process? So, um, I recognized I didn't enjoy the process of sewing for individual clients. So that was step one. I was like, okay, so I can't do that. 
what can I do? I still really like this sort of area. I like lingerie. I love lingerie. And I really like solving these puzzles, like the design and the construction. So I was in touch with a lot of people in the sewing community and they were fascinated by what I did. And I thought, oh, I could write it. I could write a book. I could just tell them, you know, what I know and kind of my process and share that. And so I just pivoted to writing the book. <laughs> so you decided that I'll just sit down and pour what I know yeah. into a book. And did you think, and the book is self-published. Yes, it is self-published. Right. And did you think about pitching this book to a traditional publisher? Did that ever cross your mind? Nope, nope, nope. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit aware of the economics of doing that. And I just, they're not favorable at all. I mean, yes, they they do promote it and it goes into their kind of network, but I just didn't like the economics from yeah. what I knew. And maybe the economics are right, are hard for sure, but it does give you that, I don't know, legitimacy, I guess. I, yeah. that, maybe that's fading too. But. Maybe, maybe. I, I also felt like what I was doing was so niche that it would be a really tough sell. It's a tough sell because there's not a broad enough audience. Right even then. And so even if you had pitched it, they probably would have watered it down in order to find a broad enough audience to sell it to. Right. And they probably would have wanted to put a pattern in there. And I kind of, Oh, they would have put 22 patterns in there, my friend. (laughs) It's not a book without 22 patterns. Right. Yes. Right. And so that to me, I had in the back of my mind that, you know, maybe I will go on to do some patterns. That's something that could be of interest to the community as well. So wait. Yeah. So do it your way. Right. Okay. So this was really about tips and techniques. Yes. So the book is exactly that. It's how to sew up a bra in general. There's not a bra pattern in the book. It's the process of how to fit the bra pattern, uh, any bra pattern, pretty much. So got it. it's that sort of book. Right. Okay. So it was niche and it needed yeah. to be self-published yeah. and it's still out there. People can take a look. It is. And it's still, people are still buying it. Mm-hmm. And I signed it in my workshops and it's, it's really fun. Wonderful. <laughs> I want to take a minute now to talk about our sponsor, ThermoWeb. For almost 50 years, ThermoWeb has served as a prominent adhesive manufacturer for customers around the world, offering one of the most trusted, innovative, and complete lines of adhesives for both sewists and paper crafters. In addition to adhesives, ThermoWeb offers a full selection of premium fusible and sew-in interfacings and stabilizers for sewing, quilting, embroidery, and crafts. With all business functions housed in their Wheeling, Illinois facility. One of the more recent additions to ThermoWeb's product lines is DecoFoil transfer foils and adhesives. DecoFoil products add high quality foil finishes to any project, fabric, or paper, greatly expanding makers' creative options. DecoFoil products make it easy to add metallic foil shine to everything from handmade cards and custom gift packaging to apparel, home decor, and wall art. Contact CPD Sales at thermoweb.com to start a conversation with the account sales team about how you can make your handmade creations shine a little brighter. And be sure to check out the DecoFoil 101 video series on the ThermoWeb YouTube channel so you can learn a little bit more. ThermoWeb proudly utilizes the resources of other USA suppliers whenever possible, and products are available through major chains, distributors, and independent retailers, as well as via ThermoWeb's online store at thermowebonline.com. Thank you so much, ThermoWeb. And now, back to my conversation with Norma. Good. Okay, so you did that. Yeah. So that that was the next step. That was the first pivot. Right. Okay, so you finished that. How long did that take you to do? Oh, my God. It was a lot of work. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Of I mean, course. I, had you written a book before? No. no I've done a lot of writing, but sure. I have written a book before. No. Uh, that took probably oh God, like six months yeah. of intense time, uh, you know, kind of, I call it ass and chair time. Ass and chair. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Just every day I had to, you know, get my hours, ass and chair, writing, just get it out there. And then of course there was the whole editing and 
all of that. You're familiar with this process. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yes, it's like you just have to force yourself. Like between ten and two, That's here exactly we are. It. Yes, here we are. Yeah, yep. you, you even get to point. You're clocking it. You're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> just gotta get to time. You have to exactly. No yeah. breaks. Okay, so yeah. you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you self-published it. What platform did you put it on? Is it Amazon Print Amazon. On Demand? Yes, okay. Amazon Print On Demand. It used to be Creative Create Space. Create Space. They've changed the name. I, I forget now what it's called. It's Kindle, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, Kindle, not Kindle the something. Direct or I don't know what it's called now. But anywho, that's how it is. Okay. Yeah. So um, great. And and then and then what? Because there's there's <laughs> yeah. a, there's another pivot after right. this. So there is. So the book was doing well, and you know I'm still promoting a Twitter all that kind of stuff and I thought okay patterns people are asking for a pattern no there's no pattern in this book like what pattern should we use I was like okay so I need to I really need to try and do some patterns and there were other I mean there are other um sewing pattern companies that focus on lingerie at the time so that would be like 2014 ish Mm -hmm. Um, Beverly Johnson has mm-hmm. patterns, sure. girl patterns. There were some quick sew patterns. Okay. But there really weren't other independent pattern companies. Okay. Maybe there was, um, maybe there was one small company. I can't think of her name. She's based in Kansas. There's Cloth Habit? Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't around then. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think those were, those were the few ones. So there wasn't much. a lot out there. And do big four patterns have lingerie? Big four, uh, they're well, quick so used quick to, so, but not so. But they not really. I think they've got maybe one in print. Okay. Um, so not really. Not really. Yeah. No. Okay. So I kind of saw that there yeah. was an opportunity because there wasn't that much choice available. Also, there wasn't something kind of really targeting or looking to serve the the millennial market right. or kind of that that age group who's just discovering sewing. The people who buy indie patterns. The right. people who are like, I don't have. The knowledge to pick up a big four pattern and understand what a dart is, even right. to even know what sewing language is. No, I mean but, they still have to be, know how to sew before they make a bra. To be yes. clear, but they need to use and <laughs> understand how to use a sewing machine. But basically, yeah. but they need um, step by step instructions that are really clear and made yeah. for them and. Uh, an online sewing community with a hashtag where they can see everybody else and ask right. questions and um, and have a sew along on a blog and the opportunity to take a workshop in person and all the rest that comes with a good, strong, independent sewing pattern company. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't see that being offered. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to bring to, to bras. Yeah. So, so I okay. saw an opportunity. So it's time to make bra patterns. Right. Okay. <laughs> and at that point, is that when Orange Lingerie, the company, was sort of formed? Well, Orange Lingerie, actually, when I was doing custom bras, I started it calling it Orange was Lingerie. Orange. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely doing lingerie and I'm yeah. just going to you know, put a stick in the ground. Okay. So it, it Orange Lingerie is just sort of morphed. <laughs> yes. It did sort of morph. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I, I see. Um, okay. So, um, so you decided to be, to do these sewing patterns. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I think is interesting is that they're all digital. Yes. I'm there are digital. no, like here we are in your studio. Yep. We have this adorable studio here, but <laughs> I have been in, for example, um, Jenny Rushmore from Cashmere studio in Boston as well. Yep. And one of the differences is, is there are big shelving units there that have boxes and boxes of print patterns right. um, because she's doing fulfillment of print as well as digital. And, and you don't have that. There's no right. shelving units in here and there's no print patterns. So right. what uh, led to that choice? I mean, a lot of um, indie pattern companies will start digital, mm-hmm. kind of monitor what's selling well, and then take the best sellers and put those into print right because there is demand for print and there are people for whom a print pattern is you know preferable and they want to start there so why have you decided not to not to go down that route it's a really good question so there are a couple of reasons one is uh with lingerie patterns especially with bra patterns they fit on a printable sheet of paper so i think people's primary objection to pdf patterns are like printing and taping well there's really almost no taping. And with some of my patterns, none at all. Because so, you can print them on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper yep. and the whole thing is on there. US letter or A4. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have the same thing with sewing patterns that I make because they're stuffed animals yeah. and they fit on the same size paper. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And people can just print and print and, you know, they make some modifications. They can always go back and print another copy of the pattern. And I'm a huge fan of digital patterns myself. I don't like... Instant gratification. Well, instant gratification, but it's also, I don't have to store a bunch of stuff, which I really appreciate. I can print out exactly what I need. I also like the thicker paper that is yes. printer paper Yes. versus <laughs> tissue. Tissue rips, man. I hate that. It totally rips. It's so annoying. <laughs> I know. So and with the when you can print on thicker paper, then it's almost like a cardstock that you can just trace around the pattern piece. Yeah. So it's nice. I really like all of that. No, yeah. all that said, I have evaluated print patterns okay. because some shops have actually have Yeah, because you can't do wholesale. Right. It's hard. Yeah, I'm not going to do wholesale with Wholesale with PD. No. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I have evaluated it, mm-hmm. but it just it doesn't make sense to me, like from a when I look at the costs. So first of all, lingerie and bra making is sort of a, a niche business. Uh, not every store that stocks indie patterns will want to stock my patterns because they don't have the supplies. Right. It requires special yeah. supplies. Right. There's a lot of special supplies. And yes. when you look at what's needed here, in order to make one bra, you need how many special supplies oh approximately? Gosh. I mean, it's many. Let's call it like a dozen. Yeah. You know, 10 or so. But, right. but shops don't stock that. So for a lot of indie pattern companies, it makes sense to have a print pattern because it goes into the store. And now the store is like, oh, I can sell the pattern. And right. I mean, stores everything stock that go with it. patterns in order to sell fabric. Correct. That's why and they have patterns. Yes. That's why they have patterns. Right. Yes. That's exactly why. But for me, that doesn't hold true. So I would have lesser demand. I'm already niche. So I wouldn't be able to print in the volumes where you would, can get really good overall pricing on patterns. I think some indie pattern companies are like sub $2 to print everything. Because right. um, you need thousands, no 5,000, 10,000. You need lots and lots of these. a lot. And then yeah. also I looked at things like, um, you know, for fulfillment, you talked about um, Cashmere doing mm-hmm. their own fulfillment. I don't want to spend any time shipping out orders mm-hmm. or folding or bagging folding. absolutely you don't not. want to do that you don't want to spend your time that way no i don't want to be a shipping business or a concrete product shipping mm-hmm. kind of business so i like solving the design problems and the construction problems and mm-hmm. and some of the other things that go with business but that's not one business that i want to take on and I did look at f- fulfillment uh, centers. Yeah, because so yeah. that's the way to do it. Like Blue Sky Fulfillment, you can send it out, they'll do it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you pay, you pay, yeah, you pay for it. So your margin's getting cut and cut and cut. Yeah. Exactly. So it just, it doesn't really make sense to me. And I, I do evaluate it from time to time mm-hmm. because, you know, my business is always changing and evolving. Right. So I need to keep looking at it, but it just doesn't. It hasn't made sense. So, but you do teach quite a few workshops yeah. in person and yeah. you go to Fancy Tiger and some of these wonderful shops. Um, so when you do teach those workshops, mm-hmm. right, talk about some of the complexities there because um, <laughs> they can't wholesale your patterns and they don't, do they necessarily stock your supplies? So they nope. may, must have a special order of the supplies for the workshop maybe, or talk about how this, how yeah, how, yeah. The, how does that actually work and does it benefit the shop to have you in if there's so much specialty stuff that needs to happen in order to make it happen? So uh, when I teach a workshop, I take in all my own supplies. Oh, okay. So uh, there's a kit fee for my class. So people pay for the kit for the workshop. And then I also have in my agreement that I'm able to sell additional kits and like my book, for example. Okay. So I, I do that when I go in and um, pretty much everywhere because they don't stock the bra making materials. They don't stock my patterns. Right. They don't, none of that. So when I go in, I, I sell to students what they would like for bra making. Yeah. Because a lot of times a store is hiring the workshop instructor in order for students to buy things from the store. Well, so my students still buy things from the store. Okay. So they will shop for fabric during the breaks. There's some downtime in the class. Okay. People are sewing on their own. So they're still making some good. I mean, I see what people buy. Yeah. Incredible. It's still happening. (laughs) It's still happening. Okay. It's still happening. And also they get maybe some people in who haven't been to the shop before. Right. Uh, because they want to take my workshop. Right. Because so they, they know you and they're coming in for you. Yeah. Right. So you can get some new customers as well. And are there some negatives to or some risks involved mm-hmm. in having such a niche pattern company? In other words, yeah. you <laughs> have a company that yeah. specializes in lingerie. So yes. you're really making bras and underwear you could expand out into slips. You could expand mm-hmm. out into swimwear. I'm sort of, ex- you know, yeah, trying to think yeah. more broadly, where could this go? That's but correct. it's really 
that's it. I mean, it's not really necessarily going to go beyond this. It's called orange lingerie. It's lingerie. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we're not looking at making t-shirts. We're not looking no. at making jeans. Well, so, <laughs> so talk a little bit about okay. making that choice yeah. and its lim- limitations and whether that's an, an asset or a liability. So, um, I, believe in specialization. I mean, getting to know something really deeply and intricately. So I feel like I really know lingerie. And if somebody wants to learn lingerie and get high quality lingerie patterns, I think I'm a really good place to get them from. I'm totally biased. But um, but as you were alluding to, lingerie is a broader category than just bras and underwear. So it is things like slips and camisoles and pajamas and robes and lounge gowns and swimwear and the things that go with swimwear. So the plan now is to expand into those areas and the patterns that I released this year will be in those broader sort of lingerie areas. Okay, got so, it. So you're absolutely correct, expanding, but still expanding within the definition of lingerie. Because I feel like there's so much to be done there. Right. And you just recently came back from a lingerie show. Yeah. 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 So where was, was that? Amazing. That was in Paris. In Paris. Yeah. Right. And it's neat because, you know, unlike maybe... Many of us who sort of go to shows that are all within the sewing market, you're mm-hmm. going to a show that's within the lingerie world, the fashion world, and sort of getting ideas there. So how does that feed your creativity? Oh, my gosh. Um, it was amazing to see these big manufacturers, the advantages that they have. I mean, I knew they were getting materials customized to them, but the degree of customization is incredible. They can say, I, I like this lace, but I want the repeat to be different. I want it to be like this. I want this color. I want the stretch factor. Uh, it's amazing. So I was just getting inspired by the materials and the things that are coming up in the new seasons. Um, I was inspired by some of the garments that I saw. Uh, I was able to see some trends, things like bodysuits still really going strongly, kind of these sheer inlays, um, lots of lurex, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, I think the best part for me was meeting with this brand manager and she was telling me about their development process and it was pretty similar to what I do, which was really, it was kind of great. And it was really fun to have this conversation with somebody who kind of does the same thing, um, different scale, obviously, and, and producing a product, but it was really, really interesting to me. And it just, it was so wonderful to spend time with people who really understood what I was doing. Yeah. I feel like in sewing, sometimes people don't understand and outside sewing, they really don't understand. (laughs) Right. And when you're thinking about your own brand management, do you, how far out are you planning? Mm -hmm. You're talking about this year and the patterns that you're going to be making this year. Yep. So um, here we are. It is the beginning of March of 2020. Yeah. Um, How far out are you planned for, you know, this year, the year to come? So I'm all planned out through January of 2021 and I'm kind of getting the first glimpses of spring 2021. Okay. The pattern development process is really long (laughs) because what happens is you have a draft and then you need to fit that on the model. You need to make modifications and there's this whole iterative process that happens before you actually have a pattern that you're going to go with. And and maybe it's just how I do things. Um, uh, Then it can get graded and then you can start doing like the graphic design work and making up samples and honing in on the right kind of construction, but it, it can be really involved. And um, do you have people you're working with on this or how much mm. of this are you doing yourself? So do you have a grader? Do you have a pattern yes. designer that you're working with? Do you have a graphic designer? Talk about sort of the, yeah. the team that is involved here or how much of it is on you. Okay. So um, the way that I work is I work with a variety of contractors. So I do have a graphic designer that I work with, an amazing graphic designer. Um, she lives in New Orleans. Uh, then I have a pattern maker and grader. It's the same person. Um, she's using a professional pattern making software. Like Gerber or something she's, like that. Uh, she's Optitex, I believe. Opt- okay. Uh, and it's really cool because when she drafts things out, she can show me a 3D model. And we can kind of go back and forth on what it looks like on this kind of virtual model first before there's something for me to start sewing with. So okay. So you're coming fun. to her with an idea. Yeah. So there's a design brief. So mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. This is what it looks like. There's sketches. There's kind of uh, inspiration pictures. This is what I'm going for. And that that's how it all starts. Okay. And then she she drafts it in this 
software. She'll do the draft. Okay. And so we go back and forth until we have something like, okay, that's, um, I'm going to sew that up. Mm-hmm. And so then I will make any changes to the pattern and that includes fitting changes so that it fits the model. It's functioning properly. Mm-hmm. And then she'll make those. We'll kind of go back and forth to make sure she's got those correct before grading out the pattern. Okay. And then she does the grading. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to try to grade it out. Uh-huh. Got it. I want to make sure everything's done really professionally. And yeah. people are going to be investing their time and materials to make these garments. So it needs to be uh-huh. done by a pro. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then the graphic designer lays out the pattern. Correct. And then right. I have a, a contractor who helps me with the sewing. So in, when you're testing out a pattern, there's a lot of making mock-ups and kind mm-hmm. of revving really quickly so I have somebody who helps me do that so I can do the other kind of business things Mm -hmm. that need to happen right okay good I mean I think this is important for people to hear because I think a lot of people feel like if I can't do all of this myself I can't do this so that's not true I mean there I've always worked with contractors but I didn't have such a big team to start out with I did start doing a lot of it myself so I know kind of what needs to be done and how long everything takes sure but one you can't really grow and and advance unless you have people helping you do that kind of work. Yeah. And I think it's really important. It was really hard for me to let go, to let go yeah, and to learn that. And to even when people start doing some work for you, you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't have control over that. And, and where is that thing that I asked for yesterday? Yeah. Kind of thing. But you have to, you just have to get comfortable with that. Yeah. And, and realize that actually they're better at it than you are. Yes. Yes. That's the other thing. Yeah. And they actually have interesting ideas that they'll bring to the table yeah. too. And I feel like it just enhances the whole process. Absolutely. I found that to be true for sure. And it's, it's fascinating. I know, I <laughs> it know. improves your business. Yeah. I and it's worth the money too. It and it, it feels to me, for me as a thrifty person, it has felt very risky also to just say oh my gosh I'm parting with all of this money to make this happen yep. um but I, in, I totally agree with yeah, that it's really yeah scary. it's been hard to to yeah. let that go as well the, the money aspect but yeah. um that investment's been really worth it um okay so that's interesting to hear and then yeah. um as far as e-commerce is concerned yeah I know you went through a website redesign yes. not too long ago the website looks really beautiful oh, now nice. and the e-commerce site that's on, or shop that's on that site is run through Shopify yeah Okay, and how do you like yeah. Shopify? So I really, I like Shopify. Mm-hmm. I actually, I was running kind of a, I Shopify and WordPress. Mm-hmm. So WordPress was kind of the overarching thing you would see, and the Shopify was just a shop within, yeah. but it was coded, so it looked like it was all one site. Yeah. Uh, I actually moved everything to Shopify yeah, for so simplicity. Yeah, there now. Yeah. yeah, it's just so much easier yeah. in terms of site maintenance. And the blog is on Shopify now, too. Yeah, yeah. even the blog. I was yeah. really worried about that. Yeah, but it worked. It totally yeah. worked. People were saying, oh, no, you need to have your blog on WordPress. Some Shopify themes have robust blogs, blog components. It's not super robust. Yeah, it's it's not as good as WordPress, but it can, some of the themes are better than others. Yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah. It gets the job done. Actually, I've had better um, kind of responsiveness with the blog, like people leaving comments. That's good. So it's getting good SEO. It is. Yeah, good. It is. It's really doing well. And I I love the new site. And actually, I found my web designer and developer through Craft Industry Alliance. Oh, yay. Yeah. Awesome. That's fabulous to hear. Posted a question on the Facebook group and somebody responded, hey, try this person. And I'd end up being a good fit. And I talked to a lot of people. Oh, good. That's great to hear. Yeah. Um, And well worth paying for because it looks great. Um, And um, and, but you still have a presence on Etsy. I do. Yeah. So I I keep evaluating that. But all of kind of my uh, I don't want to not necessarily competitors, all the people functioning in my space of selling lingerie, sewing patterns Uh are on Etsy. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. So, and how many of them are there now? Are there, I mean, so, has it grown the number of? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. For sure. So, you mentioned Cloth Habit. Yeah. Um, Emerald Erin, uh, she launched some patterns. Um, then there's Olulu and Evie Lalu, like all of these. They've people. popped up. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there was, you know, it was a good it's idea. It yeah. was a good idea. It's yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so, Olulu and uh, Evie Lalu and Emerald, uh, Emerald Erin, uh, they're all on Etsy. I thought, well, if they're all on Etsy, I should probably be on Etsy too. Right. Why not? Why not? It doesn't really cost anything extra right. to have a, a, an Etsy presence. Right. So I just, I keep that there. Yeah. So why not? But yeah. it's sort of the question is, 
for how long? Right. Well, it, there are some disadvantages, especially if you sell digital files, because you can't just update digital yes. files on Etsy. Yes. I know. I don't know why they don't change that functionality. I, I wish they would. So when I, I've updated my earliest patterns recently, I updated the instructions. I added, you know, made the drawings bigger and I added things that I include in my workshop that mm-hmm. I think are really helpful. So I kind of reissued those, which is great through my, I use Sendow for yeah. fulfillment, which is great through that platform. But then I have all these Etsy buyers. And so basically, I, no, I, I let them know, you know, if you, it's a huge inconvenience for me because then people are letting me know, Hey, I want the updated file. And then I have to kind of issue them an updated file. So, but I didn't yeah. want them to be disadvantaged because right. they bought it through Etsy. Yeah. I gosh, I wish I would change that. They certainly have the capability to do it if they wanted to. And they also don't have the ability to offer um, size variants for the digital products. So I only sell my A to double D size range on Etsy. And I have three patterns where I go up to a J cup. It's a separate pattern, the triple D to J, but on my, I only sell it on my website. So, yeah, because listing that as another pattern on Etsy would just be way too confusing yeah. for people. Yeah. And people don't read. No. And they would just be buying their own pattern. Yeah. All kinds of other. Yeah. Absolutely. You're headache. setting yourself up for disaster trying to do that on Etsy for sure. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about Instagram for a minute. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, first of all, you have this hashtag orange lingerie. Um, and how, how, how important is that hashtag or how has that hashtag done on Instagram? How important do you think it is for the brand? So that's it's actually an interesting question in a lot of ways. So I try not to focus too much on, um, on social media statistics. Uh, a couple of reasons. One is I'm, I can be really competitive. And so I don't want to kind of fuel that. <laughs> I also don't want to spend a lot of time there because it's not productive time when I could be, you know, working on a pattern or some sort of like newsletter communication. Um, I just don't see it as a big value add. Mm-hmm. Do you find the newsletters to be more effective than oh, yeah. Instagram? Yeah. Newsletters are great. Yeah. So I do, I actually, I you talk about needing contractors. Now I'm looking for somebody to kind of help me with that sort of uh, fulfillment of my newsletters and blog because I was really, I was on top of it, you know, every week. And then of course, you know, things happen. Like you get, I'm busy in this pattern development cycle yeah. and I think, oh my gosh, I didn't do a newsletter this week all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I do think newsletters are more powerful than the social media yeah. communication just because the algorithm, yeah. who knows who's seeing what, I I don't know. Right. But you still need to be there. I still do get a fair amount of traffic from Instagram. I'd get more from Pinterest uh-huh. than I do from Instagram, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, um, a lot more. Yeah, for sure. So I don't really follow the hashtag. Now, the hashtag is actually interesting because sometimes people will be wearing orange lingerie and they will tag. Right, they hop on the hashtag they hop and on the that's hashtag. so wrong. I'm like, yeah. Uh, eh. what can you do? Yeah, totally. I Googled orange lingerie as part of my research for this. And no. that definitely, yeah, there was a little, <laughs> a few things. It happens. I, I know you're like, what is this here? But, um, I do follow though, that hashtag. I follow all my pattern hashtags. Mm-hmm. I found that following hashtags on Instagram is much more useful. Mm-hmm. I, I try to set my time limit for like 10 minutes a day on Instagram. So it's, it's easier for me to kind of scroll through the and hashtag see. and just see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. And then engage with somebody. If, if be know. like, great job. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, and have you had any, difficulties being a lingerie brand on Instagram, like having, you know, photos banned or anything like that. I mean, I noticed that you don't, you don't have images of your samples on models. Correct. And I wondered if that was a conscious choice to sort of not go down that route where you're having a model that could look sexy or, you know, they're all the photos are either of the, the lingerie just yeah. on a table or they're on a dress form, but they're not on a model. Yeah. Um, and so talk about that choice just in general. Yeah, it's a hundred percent intentional. I don't even have models in the garments on my site uh, because I don't want people to start kind of re- looking at the body I want them to be focusing on the garment. I don't want them to start thinking about their body compared to that body. I mean, it's right. I just, I don't That's want so any of that. And yeah. I never did. Now it works out well for Instagram because some lingerie people do have problems. I yeah. follow a whole bunch of lingerie people. Cause I'm, I love, yeah. I love the field and um, they do have issues because they'll be wearing the lingerie or model be wearing it and they have to put, you know, little tape things on or block out parts of the picture. Um, 
And I, I don't have that problem. Right. Now, that said, as I move into the rest of kind of the lingerie drawer, I will need to show the garments on models, but they'll be more covered. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an interesting choice to never have models just in general up until now. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't want people thinking about that model body compared to their body. Yeah. It's just... You don't even need to worry about that when you're making your own garment. You're going to make that garment to fit you. So why bring that into the into the discussion mm-hmm. or the thought process? And you're Bernina Ambassador this year. Yes, yeah. How did that partnership come to be? So I love Bernina Sewing Machines. Um, I, I, I really believe when you have great tools to do the job at hand, it's just going to make it so much easier. And that's what happened to me when I got my first Bernina. All of a sudden, it was just so much easier to sew everything. So I actually contacted them. I asked if they were looking for ambassadors i mean what i do is kind of different yeah they said great let's let's try it out so i'm using the bernina 590 this year which is a lot of fun and i want to start looking at some of the machine embroidery because with lingerie there's so much you can do i mean you can create lace you can create lace appliques there's so many fun things that I really want to explore with that machine. Nice. So it, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great that you contacted them because you realize that what you do is different from what most of their ambassadors are doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I why mean, not? There's a lot of quilting and, and that sort of thing. This yeah. is really different. So I we'll see yeah. how it works out. But yeah. why not give it a try? Absolutely. And I know you produced a video course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, le- I watched a little trailer and oh, um, it's super professional. <laughs> and I wondered um, if you could talk about that process. Did you hire a team or um, how did you go about doing that? Because um you know, a lot of people want to do that, but it yeah. seems intimidating. It seems like expensive and hard. And so anyway, talk a little <laughs> bit about the, the okay. process there. So it is expensive and it is hard. Um, it, it took a lot of development, a lot of pre-production uh, because you need to have all of your kind of in-process samples ready to go for efficient shooting. All the step outs. Yep. All the step outs, all of them. Uh, you also need to have your script ready to go because you are you're working with your step outs, but you need to remember what you're saying. Yeah. So you need to have your script ready to go. And then um, the crew is expensive. So I did hire a, a local video production company. Um, so there are like four guys in here. This this is where we filmed it. Mm-hmm. Do you do guys. it all in one day? All the, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's well, all day. All day. I know. It's amazing. They like get here at like eight and they're not done till six. And you're like, oh, my God. It was, it was <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And it's really, it takes a lot out of you because you have to be really on and energetic the entire time so it's it was it was difficult it was really difficult now I love the look of it yeah I think they're great um I'm working on some additional videos for this year um I don't know if I'm going to hire the same crew because their per day rate is really high the videos I want to make will take more than one day Mm -hmm. and I just I feel like the way videos are priced there's kind of a ceiling (laughs) there's a limit to how much I can charge yeah on video. So did that one pay off? Oh yeah. It did. Okay. So it yeah. was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. And it was also a great learning experience yeah. too, for putting together a really professional video. Yeah. It is a good learning experience for yeah. sure. Um, okay, cool. Well, I think that's interesting to hear. Um, and, uh, and about the studio here, mm-hmm. how yeah. having, the, I know you're about to move back into your home because you yes. have a bigger house now and yes. have space in your home where you can, um, set this up. But mm-hmm. be, before that, when, you know, you're living in an apartment in the city, um, has having this outside space where you actually come to work each day mm-hmm. helped with productivity? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little concerned going back into, into the house. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, so when I worked from home in the city apartment, it, it was a separate room, but small apartment, you're sort of in the flow of the entire home. So, you know, you go get a glass of water and you're like, oh, the dish, I need to start the dishwasher yeah. or welcome to oh, my world. Laundry. Oh my gosh, the laundry's still there. I thought yeah. I started it this morning and it's just really easy to get distracted. It is. Uh, and the mail comes and then oh, yeah. there's a package delivery, yeah. phone. I mean, there's just yeah. all these things. It's. So this did create a really nice separation. Yeah. You know, I'm going to the studio. There was nothing to do here but work. Yeah. And you can see there's nothing else to do here. Yeah, that's it. That That's all there is. So that's nice. Now, uh, moving it back into the house, it's like on a separate floor in a separate room. Right. And I think just, you know, the intention of going in there. And even now I go into sew. And once I kind of set foot into there, things just start happening. Yeah. And as long as your family 
recognizes that this is your place of work in your home. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, I mean, my husband suggested it, so I think he's, he's, <laughs> he's on, on board. board. Yeah, all right. Board. That's good. <laughs> um, all right. Super. So I want to make sure we get to your recommendations. Oh, yeah. Um, and you have some good ones, some of which are here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting next to one of them, which is this so steady <laughs> table. And it yeah. is so cool. It's this big Lucite table. So tell us how this works and how you came to start using it. Yeah, so actually I heard about this kind of table from Kenneth King. He says he just swears by them and he has them on his Bernina machines to sew garments. And what it does is it keeps your machine bed level with kind of the the sewing surface or enlarges your sewing surface if you don't have a built-in cabinet. And it's really great right now. We're working on like silk bias garments. And so it really is helpful to keep everything kind of on one level while you're working on it. It's not kind of flowing around everywhere off the machine bed. Right. Making it tricky to sew. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like pulling down. Everything's flat and like, yeah. Yeah. And is it the company's actually based in Eugene, Oregon, which is where I grew up. I didn't, I didn't know that till recently. I was ordering one for the Granina 590 that I'm using this year. And, um, Anyway, I thought that was kind of yeah. kind of nice. And when you say we, do you have a studio assistant who comes here and helps? Yeah, okay. yeah, I do. So she comes in and helps with the sewing. So when I'm revving through like samples, uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. So She'll she's here. Her. Okay, great. Yeah. And how many how many hours a week is she here? Just twelve. Okay, nice. Every week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. It's a flexible thing for her. She's got small children. But she has a lot of pattern making experience and production experience. So she wanted to keep doing something, but she needed something flexible. Uh-huh. So I, I got lucky. Yeah, you <laughs> did. That's great. And so now she'll come to your home. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, yeah. That's yeah. Good. We'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Is it kind of nice to have a colleague? It's kind of nice. I mean, she's got great ideas because mm-hmm. she does have this production background and she actually worked for a swimmer designer for a number oh, nice. of years. So she's familiar with the field and um, she took one of my workshops a long time ago. Uh-huh. So she was already kind of knew about bra making, which was, right. which was also helpful. Um, yeah. But she does have some good ideas. And so it's nice to kind of bring in that, that kind of thinking. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and you also wanted to recommend Beatrice Dress Forms. Yes, yes. And um, I know Allison. So tell me a little bit about your Beatrice Dress Form and why you like it. Yeah. So um, having sewing space at home now, I'm, I was been having this here. I was doing more sewing at home, kind of some garment sewing, not just lingerie, which is fun. I haven't done that in a while. And uh, I saw their custom dress form. You know, I think I saw it first through Heather, actually, from Closet Case yeah. Files. And I thought, my goodness, I, I need to look into this. Um, so I got the, I have the dress form at home and I'm able to tissue fit on it, fit garments on it. And now I want to start draping on it, mm-hmm. which I, I think Allison's really big on, on the draping. Yeah. And I think she even teaches a class on that at Fancy Tiger Crafts. Oh, neat. Yeah, yeah. it's super cool. They are a really neat company. So mm-hmm. go check them out if you haven't before. It's an investment, but yeah. Um, but if you sew a lot, it's worth it. So, um, and then your last and your last recommendation is a company that I love too, Lynda.com, which oh is now called LinkedIn Learning. But yes. that's how I learned how to edit podcast audio. So when oh I um, first got a podcast, I had no idea how to edit audio, and um, I took a Lynda.com class to learn GarageBand, and that's how I now. I mean, since then, I've always edited audio. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it was great. It's been really good. And I also took a class there to learn how to use Evernote, Mm. which seems silly because Evernote is supposed to be, you know, sort of self-explanatory. But every time I'd open it, I'd be like, what? How do you use this? So I just took a class and I like, now I know how to use all of the fancy features of Evernote and I use it constantly as a journalist and it's super useful to me. So it was so worth it. Yeah. So good. And do you use your library at I haven't. I've always just paid for it, but I do know that you can use it through the library, but I've just like been lazy and not figured out how. But yes, I, I do know you <laughs> can use you it how. through the library. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a Minuteman, I'm sure through the Minuteman library system, you can probably use it. But yeah. Yeah. You log yeah. in using your library credentials. And then, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Just like you're logging into the library, like I'll show you after. Okay, thank you. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Like I've learned I love so it. much through it. Yes, and it's now fabulous. We, at home, we don't marathon TV shows. We marathon like that's, learning programs. That's awesome. So, it is so useful. What what kinds of things have you learned? So digital photography is something that's really interesting to me. So I obviously I have to take pictures for my business, but getting even better at that is interesting to me. And just taking pictures, like street photography. Um, so there's so much on LinkedIn learning on photography. It's crazy. This instructor, Ben Long, amazing. I recommend all his classes. Nice. They're so good. Okay. 
Good to know. Yeah, it, whenever I'm like, I have a software problem and I need to figure it out, I just go. Yeah, I just go there and learn, and it, it's great. I just like pause the video, try the thing, pause the video, try like oh, watch the next one. Yeah, it's so much better than trying to go on YouTube and like find an actual reputable person and it's just that takes forever there's no reason well it actually has convinced me the power of video so i get asked for video like do you have a video on how to make this and it convinced me i need to do more videos because i'm finding so much power in them and it's amazing to learn that way and i don't know if you do much cooking but um, yes my husband recently got into baking Mm -hmm. and so he pulled up a video he wanted to make croissants he pulled Mm -hmm. up a video on how to make croissants and he's like okay now i understand yeah i I watched somebody do this you just watch there's certain things where it's just like if i just watch somebody for four minutes Mm -hmm. i will know how to do this completely yeah then if i read these instructions that are confusing and I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not going to get it. Yeah. 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 So I think it's super powerful. That's why I want to do more videos. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, Oh, they're so expensive and they take so much time. But then that, wait a second, there's a lot of power in this and people get a lot of value from them. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You do more. Yeah, totally. Um, well, Norma, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you. And thank you for having me to your studio. Of course. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today's episode was brought to you by ThermoWeb, maker of some of the craft industry's best loved brands for sewing, quilting, paper crafting, and more. Whether you need foil or fabric glue, interfacing or iron-on adhesive, or you just need some fresh inspiration, visit thermowebonline.com to explore everything ThermoWeb has to offer today's modern maker. Thank you so much, ThermoWeb. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.